0: Hello and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie and this is Joy, and we're here today and we're going to discuss the book Johnny Tremaine. Um, I just want to say right off the bat that I am super excited to be discussing this book. It is definitely one of my favorite books. Um, the last time I read it was, I believe, in 2015. So it's been about five years since I read it. So I did reread it this week, and Joy has reread it as well. So. I'm going to just give a real quick description of the book for those of you who have not read it. Johnny Tremaine is a work of historical fiction written in 1943 by Esther Forbes that is set in Boston prior to and during the outbreak of the American Revolution. It's intended for teenage... Oh, excuse me. Our dogs are not behaving today. (laughs) Okay. It's intended for teenage readers. Uh, The novel's themes include apprenticeship, courtship, sacrifice, human rights, and the growing tension between patriots and loyalists as conflict nears. Events depicted in the novel include the Boston Tea Party, the British blockade of the Port of Boston, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, and the Battles of Lexington and Concord. And I look to see if the book had won any awards, and it has. The book won the 1944 Newbery Medal and You may not know this, Joy, but it's the 16th best-selling children's book as of the year 2000 in the United States. No, I did not know that. Also, did you know that Walt Disney released a film ad- adaptation also called Johnny Tremaine? Well, I did not know that till this week when I was doing a little research on the book, and then I saw I saw a few things about the movie. Well, I tried to watch it on Netflix the other night, and mm-hmm. unfortunately you had to pay to watch it, and I was too such a cheapskate I wouldn't pay to watch <laughs> it. And it also looked pretty hokey, you know. Yeah, and, what year was it made in? Um... Oh, I didn't actually research that It was old, I could tell by looking at the actors And I'm guessing it. it was probably in the 70s Or yeah. even looked, early 80s It looked pretty old Yeah, And it might have been a musical too it was, I don't know, it, I just didn't really care that I missed it But who knows, it might be good, I don't know um, So she also wrote An adult novel called Paul Revere And the world he lived in And that book won the Pulitzer Prize Okay, I so, did read that That okay. was interesting Okay, she wrote that in 1942. It's interesting how all these books were written during one of the world wars. Right, that um, she was writing about the Revolutionary War mm-hmm. during a world war, yes. World War Two,
1: mm-hmm. And I think
0: that was pretty cool that um, that's what gave her the background and all the knowledge to write Johnny Tremaine was all that research on that first book. Yes, yeah, and it supposedly is the definitive book. Uh, biography on Paul Revere okay. so that is one of the books I hope to read in, right. the, in the near future that's what I'm gonna say I haven't read that either so now that I see that I, th- I think it'd be very interesting and I want to read it too mm-hmm. and one last interesting thing about the book is it has never been out of print okay so, that is interesting yeah, I thought that was interesting okay so uh let's start with your overall impression of the book well, my overall impression of the book, of course, is, wow, this is for kids. It is a children's book. It is written very, very simplistic language, um, very G-rated, um, and it mm-hmm. is for an audience of children, but that doesn't mean that adults can't read it and enjoy it and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And once again, uh, this is just living proof that something can be G-rated and clean and still be entertaining and, and significant and have something to say. Right. You know historical fiction is my favorite genre Mm -hmm. and we were you and I were having a discussion one day this week when I was over at your house for lunch and you mentioned hey I think I'm starting to like historical genre and I thought (laughs) fell over because I was like what? You're my twin sister, and you're just now realizing that you like historical drama? I think what's funny is I've read so many books that were historical fiction, and I don't think I even realized they were historical fiction. I'm like, like well, this is an interesting book. And then now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, that was historical yes. fiction. Well, once I got home and I kept thinking about your comment, I, I started looking at all my books, and I would say 90% of the books I own are See, historical that fiction. never hit me that all these books that you've been reading are historical fiction. Y- yes. I don't think of books in genre specifically. Uh-huh. But now that you mention it, yes, I do like, I guess I'm just discovering that mm-hmm. I do like historical fiction. So, obviously, now we've established that I like historical fiction. Yes. But if you want to even up it another level, if it's anything to do with the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War, I'm all over it. Yes. I mean, I just, I cannot resist any type of book about the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to read Hamilton, or it's a... It's actually about his wife, and I can't think of the name of it now. It's uh, basically a biography about Alexander Hamilton. No, this the Hamilton's... Broadway show that's gone? Uh, just yes, over the top. but this they is a very. Mm-hmm. I'm not not necessarily the Broadway show. This is an in-depth biography. It's taken from thousands of letters, historical documents, and they wrote a biography. It's two women, and they wrote a biography about Alexander Hamilton's wife, and it is really good. Okay, it's long. But good, okay. I'll definitely have to put that on my uh, list of things to read. And also, I—I don't know about you, but I've found if a book is written for teens or children, I enjoy it more. And I don't know—I don't know how to say this. Sometimes I think it's because they dumb it down where I can understand (laughs) it. I mean, there's—I'm just one of these people that I can read things for adults, and I'm literally going, "Well, what? What do they mean by that?" And I Mm -hmm. just—I like things to be simplistic. Simplistic. I want things spelled out in a simple way. I know. I'm thinking about. Oh, I wish I had a better memory. I'm thinking about the book I read about, uh, I think it's Killing the SS or Hunting the SS. I don't know. It was, I liked it, don't get me wrong, but it was, it was so wordy and there was so much mm-hmm. information. My mind, I just couldn't wrap my ra- mm-hmm. mind around the literally hundreds of facts that were throwing at me and I wish it would have been more simplified. I, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when it's written for a younger audience, it's just more simplistic, it's more straight to the point and it's just easier on the brain. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, so, you know, like I said earlier, I am fascinated by the American Revolution. It's probably, to me, it's the most interesting period in our country's history other than the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, back in 2010, I traveled... Mm 1,608 miles and drove 24 hours with my mom and my aunt just so I could visit the towns of Lexington and Concord. What year was that? It was 2010. Okay. And why didn't I go? Was I working? I don't know. It was a year after our father passed away. Um, okay. It was probably working and couldn't go, I would imagine. And this yeah, so I, and I did 90, probably 90 to 95% of the driving. I so I you was that. absolutely exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was very appreciative that my mother and aunt came, but it, you know, I didn't expect them. They're they're older, and I didn't mm-hmm. expect them to drive in all these unknown areas. Still, I hate it when you go so far and you're so excited to visit a place yes. and you're too tired to really enjoy it. And one thing I will say and I, you know this isn't I'm not trying to be negative here But the way the system Is set up there They have all these Historic sites In Lexington Concord and, and I was excited Because they have a trolley That would run between each Right But the times That the trolleys would run I would only had time To really visit One of the sites Aww. And I And it was Yeah it sucked I was I got mm-hmm. to see The Minuteman Museum Which was awesome mm-hmm. And I loved it And I was so happy To see it But I didn't get to see Any of the other sites Because of the way The schedule Because of our schedule And the way the trolleys ran That's And, and, and today it may not Be anything like that I don't know um, but I did get to I did get to visit the North Bridge, so I stood right there oh, uh, cool. on the site where one of the first shots was um, actually happened. Um, I wanted to drive to Boston, but I was too scared. Yeah, I've heard Boston traffic is horrible. Everyone I've talked to has told me not to attempt it. And I used to work with a lady who lived in Boston mm-hmm. for a long time, and she said, "Yes, don't attempt to drive in Boston." That's what um, I've heard. Yeah. So they said if you want to visit Boston and see the Freedom Trail, which is on my bucket list, and we, mm-hmm. you and I talked, I hope someday yes. that we get to visit there, but um, just, they said you can actually, you know, get a hotel on the outskirts of the city and then, you know, get a, I don't, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if they have trolleys or what. But. Yeah, I've heard they have buses or maybe it is a trolley. And this Freedom Trail that you can literally go to every historical point. There's a map. They have, well, like I said, a bus trolley, something that takes you to every point. So that's definitely what we'll do. We'll get a hotel on the outskirts of the city and just take that public transportation and go see all the sites, hopefully, one yes, day. Yes, I hope so. I can't wait. Um, I even wrote, when I was around 15 or 16 years old, I wrote this very hideous poem about a boy who lived in 1775, <laughs> and I wanted to get it out and read it today on our program for as a, as, well, as a joke, yeah. because it's so horrible, <laughs> and it rhymed and everything. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and I, I thought we'd well, get it. if it a, rhymes, it must be good, Yes, right? exactly. So, you know, I thought, wow, I was so impressed with my poem when I was 15 or whatever, right. but I thought we'd have a good laugh. But anyway, what happened was I had laminated it, and the original poem was written in a marker. <laughs> can you guess what happened (laughs) it melted everywhere uh the ink smudge smudge. it was was totally totally illegible i threw it away in the trash when i was decluttering a few weeks ago so okay so the other thing that i like about the book of course as always is the likable characters i love how flawed johnny tremaine is i do too (laughs) i like that she did not make him this perfect Mm -hmm. character with no flaws he had many flaws and, and that makes him more human he was, you know, I wrote down some of his sins, you know, it's, it's easy to point him <laughs> out in others, isn't it? But he, you know, he was prideful, ambitious, bossy, he was mm. jealous, and I love how his master would make him read certain passages in the Bible that right. would, you know, highlight his, highlight his weaknesses. weaknesses, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. And um, so, anyway, you know, I guess I need to quit harping on the Revolutionary War era. I just, I i just love it uh, and you know and if i could be a fly on the wall as the old saying goes mm-hmm. during any period of our history mm-hmm. that's where i would be i would be a fly on the wall during the revolution area in some of these um yes i'd homes. like to have sat in on some of those debates between the founding fathers i think oh. that would have been pretty cool oh definitely and if they got too long-winded or whatever you could just mm-hmm. buzz and- Mm-hmm. Buzz off. Fly away. It, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, and I like the fact that the author didn't glorify war. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, she the speech that was made by James Otis that made everyone stop and think about, the you know, the personal sacrifices they were going to have to make. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good because. Yeah, she did definitely did not glorify war. She pointed out. All types of sacrifices, not just losing your life, but losing your business, you know, being separated from your family, things like that. Yes, you know, he pointed out that, um, like you said, losing your business, your wealth, uh, not even being able to practice your trade. Think about the silversmiths right. like Paul Revere and lose, just losing your life for the sake of liberty. And, you know, the main storyline is, is it was tragic how Johnny burned and injured his hand. You know, it caused his hand to be deformed. Uh, But I loved how the author used it as a catalyst to propel him into, you know, into a new world. It really Mm -hmm. did just propel him into a new world and give him a new purpose. It's kind of like that old cliche where one door closes, another opens. It's very cliche, but that's exactly what happened for him. He couldn't be a silversmith anymore, but then a whole new world opened to him because of what happened while he was searching for a new job. Yeah, it it was amazing to see how much more good he did. You know, he now he could help the Sons of Liberty, um versus, you know, making silver cups or whatever. And it was a much more important mission than yes. it would have been otherwise. So Okay, so I have a question for you. How do you think the character of Rab complemented the character of Johnny? Well, Rab, he obviously was much more mature, had much more self control. He to me he was like a mentor to Johnny. Johnny could learn from his self control and learn from his, um, you know, Rab was able to control his tongue. He was a good listener. Like I said, he was much more mature. He was not like hot headed, like Johnny. So they definitely, he definitely was good for Johnny. Yes, I agree. He was a great, almost like a father figure for him. Even though he even was, even though only, he's a, only like a year or two older, maybe yes. only a year. He I was think. just so much more mature and and just set in his. Uh, beliefs, I guess, and his mm-hmm. values were so. It's like he was very confident and secure. He knew he mm-hmm. was who he was, what his purpose yeah, was, what he wanted. That's very well said. He, you know, he it, it's he knew who he was and what he wanted in life. Yes, and um, okay. So I, you know, before this broadcast, I'll tell our listeners that I gave Joy a little heads up because some of these questions I knew she might want to have to give a little thought to. Yes. So one of the questions I had asked you to be thinking about was. If we had a current-day movie version of Johnny Tremaine, who would you think would be good? What actor would be a good fit to play Johnny? Okay, well, I thought about this, and I had a hard time coming up because I'm not familiar with a lot of the younger actors I had that same problem. That's my problem. I don't know any of the young... I, I right. basically quit watching movies for some mm-hmm. reason. Or I'll watch movies, but mm-hmm. I don't know the names of the actors. Yes. I'm just not, I'm not up on that. I, I'm not up on who the the A-list actors are today right. in Well, I watched this series on Netflix called The Outer Banks. And one of the actors on there, he plays JJ. He's very hot-headed. He flies off the handle at every little thing. He actually has very light fair, hairy, skinny, kind of wiry. And his name is Rudy Pankow. Okay. And I don't know if you even know him. I have a picture of him right here. Oh, yeah, I could see that. But <laughs> when you asked yeah. me, what actor would you see to play Johnny Tremaine? He almost immediately came to my mind. Oh, I don't wow. know what all he's been in. But I know this Outer Banks was like number one on Netflix. Like a few months ago. So I know his name is becoming known. But oh my gosh. His character well, reminds his, me. The, just, the picture you're showing me now. I can definitely see him. He, 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 did you picture him yes, as Johnny Tremaine? Yes, I can picture him as Johnny yes. Tremaine. Even the expression on his face. Yes, in that one so picture. that Rudy Pankow, That's who I would cast okay. as Johnny Tremaine. Okay. I actually had the same problem you did. I, I, I don't have a clue about the younger actors. So I picked some older actors. So you just picture these guys when they were younger. You know, Uh playing him i guess if the movie had happened a while back i couldn't think of anyone current day so i said chris hemsworth yeah there's a picture of him and his almost has the widow peak yeah or something i think and maybe i'm mistaken i thought i saw a picture of him where his hairline reminded me of john i'm not sure and the other one was i forgot he had a widow's peak oh heath ledger yes i thought if heath ledger were still alive i thought Mm -hmm. he would in his prime he would have been a Probably a pretty good. Yeah, Thomas and Romaine. he also played in another Ameri- uh, Revolutionary War movie, The Patriot. with yes. Mel Gibson. So we, I can already kind of picture yes, him because and, of that movie, and that could be one reason he came to mind. Okay, who would you pick to play Rab? Okay, well, I have a soft spot for this actor because we share the same birthday with him. But Zach- oh, Zach Efron! <laughs> Zach Efron. I thought about younger Zach Efron. Zac Efron because. I thought he's, about him, but I, okay. I didn't think he would be a good rab. But why do you think? Well, the reason I think is because they said he was dark haired, I thought. Mm-hmm. And he, Zach Efron, he just comes across as very confident, very self assured. Like mm-hmm. like I said earlier, he knows what he wants. So I could, he might be a little too good looking. That was my rab. problem. I thought he's too pretty they to play They might I have to but. make him a little less pretty mm-hmm. to be rab, but mm-hmm. he's who came to my mind? Who did you pick? I put Channing Tatum. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I cannot see Channing Tatum as <laughs> rab. That's I wanted to get your reaction. No, was <laughs> totally joking. Oh, okay. I, put, I just totally You can even see here in my notes, I put JK. Okay. <laughs> right. I just had to see your reaction. Okay. I'm okay. so glad you said that because I do... I'm sorry. I, I, I love I Channing, Channing Tatum. Tatum. We both love Channing Tatum. But not for... I just don't think he's the best actor in the world. Well, I don't... I think he's a good actor. I just don't oh, do. see him as Rob. <laughs> okay. I don't... I don't... I don't know. He's, to me, he's like a Keanu Reeves. He kind of has one, I don't know. He kind of has just one tone of voice or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. I need to get off chanting. I'm sure he's a great guy. Okay. But, okay. So I did find. Come see me chanting. Yeah, really. (laughs) Trust me. uh, We love you. (laughs) Um, I found an actor by the name of Robbie Amell. And Sam Claflin, and and they were both really nice looking guys, and they both, and they just had that look about mm-hmm. them, and. This Sam Claflin was born in Ipswich, England. Okay. I was like, okay, very yeah, fitting. there you go, very fitting, and apparently he was in Snow White and the Huntsman. That's all I know. Okay. I don't, so that's all I can tell you. Okay, let's get on to LaVinia Light. Tell me how you really feel about LaVinia Light, well, the character. i tell you, this author did not cut her any slack. I mean, I don't remember her having any redeeming qualities. The only thing I can mm. even think of, everything about her was horrible conceited haughty arrogant mean i mean any negative adjective you can think of yeah mm. she's beautiful so what but what's wrapped up in that i ugh. like how she got her the one she gave her the one little flaw there was, she said oh, between yeah. her eyebrows she had like a dent or, yeah i, I forgot about that i didn't quite understand what the flaw was but well here's the one redeeming thing i can think about her in the whole book she did reveal to johnny the truth about his lineage yes and that was all. Yes. I guess she did that. I guess we can give that to her. But boy, yes. Esther Forbes, that's who wrote this, right? Yes. Esther Forbes, she did not. She sure didn't make her very three-dimensional. I, I had she a, was, you know, she, she was, was concerned very... about her father after he got run out of town. Out that's of his true. House. That She's, was the only thing That's I true. Saw. She's concerned about her. She, she actually did love her dad. Mm-hmm. And she told Johnny the truth about his lineage. Yes. Yeah, I agree. She was a, you know. Or he found out about his lineage in the Bible, but she also revealed a few things about the family to him, about the silver cup, I believe. Yes. So who who would you pick to play her well, in the movie? Well, I would have to pick one of the Kardashians, honestly. I thought about that. Yeah. So, I would have to pick a Kardashian because I don't know. It's too funny that you thought sometimes that. Sometimes they, I'm sure they're great people if you really know them in person. And I know a lot of what they do on TV is probably an act, I'm guessing. But sometimes they mm, come across know. as entitled... <laughs> Entitled, arrogant, spoiled. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I couldn't think of anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I just looked at images on Google. Right. And I thought Megan Fox. Yeah. Oh, she would be a good one. um, I I have no idea what she's like, what her personality is like, or what kind of roles she plays. But I could see her pulling that off, especially with her looks. She's so pretty. Yeah, Yeah. I just pictured her because I did think she was very beautiful. Let's talk about the cup that Johnny's mother gave to him before her death. You know, you just mentioned that not only... it. The cup proved his lineage to the lights, his lineage to the lights, but it may have also had a symbolic meaning in the book. Do you agree that it served as a symbolic prop in the book? Well, I don't know about symbolic, but I saw a little foreshadowing because it's like, well, what's this cup all about? How's it going to come into play? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's got to it's tie in somewhere, so you're constantly looking for what's the cup all about mm-hmm. as you read the book. Mm-hmm. Well, and what was interesting to me was in the beginning, the cup was very coveted to Johnny. Yeah. And it was his connection to to um, prosperity mm-hmm. and recognition for belonging to a very wealthy and well-known family. Yes, But then toward the end of the book... Even when he had the opportunity to take the cup back, he didn't want the cup. Right, his and perspective changed. It was showing you that his perspective had changed. Whereas before, that was what mattered to him, mm-hmm. and now his priorities changed. His priorities were changing, yeah. and, and the cup was kind of symbolic of that of how it was showing him growing up as a man. And okay, his I didn't see changing. it from that angle, but you're right. It's his. Per, it was his um, how he valued the cup at the beginning, and how he didn't value the cup at the end showed how he had grown and matured uh it was maturing into an adult that's a good point i hadn't thought about it's that very well said can you recall any scenes in the book that seem vivid to you due to the author's descriptive phrases you know if this mm-hmm. book isn't one of those where i'm just like oh the writing was so descriptive but then mm-hmm. but there are some passages that that are very well written yeah i i do think uh when he was writing about rab and when he was dying Oh. Um that was pretty powerful. Yes it was. And I just, didn't think about that. I don't remember the exact wording but I do think that she did a good job of just kind of i don't know rab didn't complain and he wasn't Mm. he didn't seem scared he was very calm he died very gallantly yes he died very gallantly very valiantly but it was still a powerful scene yes yes And he sent johnny away so johnny didn't have to see him die and i just thought that was so that's heartbreaking thoughtful yes (laughs) yeah even in death he was such a it's just such a good person and Brave, yes, very brave. Mm-hmm. I, I like the opening scene in Boston. I love the way she described the city waking up. Yeah, that's the that's what I'm going to read for one of my favorite passages. Okay, and I had a feeling you would pick that, and so mm-hmm. that's the reason I didn't pick it. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, because right. she knows I love beginnings yes. and endings. Yes, because always they're always good. some of the best parts of the book. So, what do you think about the book being taught today? Do you think this should be taught in schools? I think it would be good in the younger grades. Mm-hmm. I do know that most schools teach, you know, the the Revolutionary War and the basics. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a really good book just to kind of teach some of the basics to, like, younger younger mm-hmm. the younger age i don't know fourth fifth sixth grade maybe yes i you know sometimes i think if a kid hears you know that they hear history and they're bored it's boring mm-hmm. but i think if you actually give the character some life and bring some action and actually show them you know just from a give them a story yes to, that's to what listen i was gonna to. say uh we had a history teacher i teach he's He doesn't teach history there anymore. But I would always ask my students, why do you, why do y'all love, they love this guy. Mm -hmm. And they were in AP history and the scores were through the roof. They had really high scores on their AP, you know, these advanced placement tests. And I said, what is it about him that makes him such an incredible teacher, makes you guys love him? They said he turns everything into a story. So he takes history. He turned it into a story so they could understand it. If you, yes, if you can make something personal and you can actually see, people that these are really live these were living breathing human yes, beings who are, actually are true things lived that it's mm-hmm. not just something written on a page would you mind saying his name just so we can give him uh, jason some recognition? bridges okay. yeah jason bridges jason bridges, jason bridges. outstanding teacher okay awesome okay and I, the reason I think it should be taught today is, you know, for the reasons we just discussed, but it's so important that the our younger generation remembers the sacrifices that our forefathers made for our right. country. I think um, it's so important that our young people know how this country got started and not take it for granted. I think if everyone knew the facts and just really could see how much sacrifice went on that... Um, they wouldn't take this country for granted yes I'll, we i should include myself that we wouldn't take this country for granted if we just truly meditated on mm-hmm. what really happened i agree okay it's time for the reading of mm-hmm. our favorite passages so i will let you go first and you okay so i'm gonna... the queen of beginnings and endings and i'm gonna go ahead and read the beginning of the book i just like it because she sets a really the stage for what boston is like in uh in the Revolutionary War times right right before it started. On Rocky Islands, gulls woke. Time to be about their business. Silently they floated in on the town, but when their icy eyes sighted the first dead fish, first bits of garbage about the ships and warps, they began to scream and quarrel. The cocks in Boston backyards had long before cried the coming of day. Now the hens were also awake, scratching, clucking, laying eggs. Cats in malt houses, granaries, shipholds, mansions, and hovels caught a last mouse settled down to wash their fur and sleep cats did not work by day in stable horses in stables i'm sorry there's no comma there <laughs> in stables horses shook their halters and whinnied in barns cows lowed to be milked boston slowly opened its eyes stretched and woke the sun struck in horizontally from the east, flashing up on weather vanes, brass cocks and arrows, here a glassy-eyed Indian, there a copper grasshopper, and the bells in the steeples cling-clanged, telling the people it was time to be up and about.
1: I love okay, so that's that. That's just a small
0: snippet of how she describes Boston. and Of course, she does a good job throughout the whole book of describing what people wore and what the sayings were. You know the food they ate, she obviously was well researched and gave us a very good glimpse into what Boston was like in this time period. Oh, I thought, yes, I love that passage, and if you hadn't read it, I was definitely going to um so the passage that I chose was it's a passage where the Sons of Liberty are meeting in secret, and one of their members, by the name of was it james Otis? James Otis yes, mm-hmm. he for some reason, they think he's gone crazy, right. and a lot of them. Every time he talks, it's he kind got of... hit in the head by a British rifle I think or I, I can't remember but, yeah but it, so he's basically when he speaks now they kind of roll their eyes yeah. and oh, oh it's him again you know they don't want to hear anything he has to say right. but he comes in at the end of one of these meetings and he gives this pretty powerful speech yes this is one of the more powerful parts of the book and this is another twin moment mm-hmm. this was what I was going to read and then I mm-hmm. found out Angie was going to read it so good I'm so glad she's going to read it yes and unfortunately I can't read the whole section about yeah, it so I'm just way going to start too in the middle So, and hopefully I don't, yeah, I may have to cut it off even shorter than I want. So, this is, um, this is part of his speech here. Sam Adams, anxious to get that good night's sleep before starting next day for Philadelphia, was smiling slightly, nodding, his gray head seeming to agree. He was bored. It does not matter, he was thinking, what James Otis says these days, sane or crazy. Joseph Warren's fair, responsive face was aflame. The torch Otis had been talking about seemed reflected in his eyes. "'We are lucky men,' he murmured, "'for we have a cause worth dying for. "'This honor is not given to every generation.' "'Boy, boy,' said Otis to Johnny, "Fill my tankard.' "'It was not until he had drained it "'and wiped his mouth on the back of his hand "'that he spoke again. "'All sat silently waiting for him. "'He had, and not for the first time, "'cast a spell upon them. "'They say,' he began again, "'my wits left after left me after I got hit on the head "'by that customs official.' That's what you think, uh, Mr. Sam Adams. Oh, no, in, no, indeed, Mr. Otis. Some of us will give our wits, he said. Some of us all our property. Hey, John Hancock, did you hear that? Property. That hurts, eh? To give one silver wine coolers, one's coach, and four, and the gold buttons off one's sprig satin waistcoats. Hancock looked him straight in the face, and Johnny had never before liked him so well. I am ready, he said. I can get along without all that. "'You, Paul Revere, you'll give up that silver craft you love. God made you to make silver, not war.' Revere smiled. "'There's a time for the casting of silver and a time for the casting of cannon. If that's not in the Bible, it should be. "'Dr. Warren, you've a young family. You know quite well if you get killed, they may literally starve.' Warren said, "'I've thought of all that long ago.' "'And you, John Adams, you've built up a very nice little law practice stealing away my clients, I notice.' Ah, well, so it goes. Each shall give according to his own abilities, and some—he turned directly to Rab—some will give their lives. All the years of their maturity, all the children they never lived to have, the serenity of old age, to die so young is more than merely dying. It is to lose so large a part of life. Rab was looking straight at Otis. His arms were folded across his chest, his head flung back a little, his lips parted as though he would speak, but he did not. "'Even you, my old friend, my old enemy, "'how shall I call you, Sam Adams? "'Even you will give the best you have, "'a genius for politics. "'Oh, go to Philadelphia. "'Pull all the wool, pull all the strings and all the wires. "'Yes, go, go, and God with you. "'We need you, Sam. "'We must fight this war. "'You'll play your part. "'But what it is really about, you'll never know.'" James Otis was on his feet, his head close against the rafters that cut down into the attic, making in the sh- it the shape of a tent, Otis put out his arms. It is all so much simpler than you think, he said. He lifted his hands and pushed against the rafters. We give all we have, lives, property, safety, skills. We fight, we die for a simple thing, only that a man can stand up. With a curt nod, he was gone. So that's kind of the whole theme of her book, was that the reason they were doing this all, you know, this fight for liberty was so that a man could stand up. And they even said it's not just for... The colonists—it's for people in England and France. Mm-hmm. You know, all people all, of, re- people all, all over the world. the world. Yes, they don't have freedoms. Okay, so we had another twin moment, and I guess our listeners will get used to us saying "twin moment" because it happens all the time. We should rename our podcast oh, "Twin Moment." Yeah, we good idea. How did we <laughs> think of that. So um, you know, every broadcast we try to think of a cute little phrase. You know, when we rate our books. You know, we give it so many stars, but we give it cute little names. And so I asked Joy, I said, do you have any just ideas for our rating word, word rating this week? And, and, um, I don't remember what you said exactly. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what my idea is, but if you come up with something better, we'll use your idea. And you said, I like Yankee Doodle. Mm -hmm. And I about (laughs) fell over because I had already, that was my, that was going to be my. Well, they mentioned the song several times through the book and it's a catchphrase you know synonymous with the revolutionary war Mm -hmm. so i think it's cute i do too so we're going with yankee doodles so joy (laughs) how many yankee doodles do you give the book johnny tremaine i just wonder can our listeners guess (laughs) oh no (laughs) not another one (laughs) I'm gonna give it five Yankee Doodles oh, because really? I once again, it's historical fiction, which I now realize I love. <laughs> and it's I know it's written for kids, but it was so well researched, mm-hmm. and there were so many interesting facts. And so many... It's just a great book. It's mm-hmm. a five-star book. Once again, we wouldn't be doing it probably if we didn't think it was a very um, high-rating book. What did you give it? Yes, I give it five Yankee Doodles as well. I'm just curious. Are we ever going to do a book that we don't both give it five stars probably or five not. Yankee Doodles? <laughs> Surely um, we'll get to one that we don't think it's worth yeah. the five-star rating. It, you know, I read uh, something the other day. Uh, someone said... In their opinion, Johnny Tremaine was a character that will be as well-liked and well-remembered as Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Oh, that's interesting. And I thought, that is true, because in my opinion, he's as likable, I like him as much as Tom Sawyer. I never thought about that. That, Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so we're going to talk a minute about the song Yankee Doodle. All right. Okay. And it's one of the most popular songs in the U.S. You know, I doubt there's many people out there who's never heard of Yankee Doodle. It's also the state song of Connecticut. Okay. Did not know that. Didn't know that either. Okay. So, however, despite its popularity and its pervasive staying power, it started out as a song that actually was making fun of American troops. Did you know that? It seems like I have read that somewhere, yes. Yeah. So, the song actually emerged before the American Revolution but the british used it as a vehicle to mock american soldiers you know they used it. yankee of course is a negative term that makes fun of americans and doodle was a derogatory term that meant fool or simpleton oh okay so i didn't not, know not that not very nice no, no. very negative right. connotation yes but as long as long since it's become their tradition in the states the, the people who are being ridiculed and made fun of they took ownership of it okay yeah you know, it's funny how sometimes someone uses something that they're trying to make fun of you and you take it and turn right. it around on them right um, so, they actually took it, and... Uh, it's kind of like that uh, Barnum and Bailey movie. Um, <laughs> oh, the was, one, the uh, one recently... The Greatest Showman. Yeah. And they were m- m- mocking him and saying, oh, it was a circus. And he's like, oh, I like that word. And he took it and ran with it, according yes. to the movie. I don't know how true that is in real life, P.T. Barnum. Uh, no, you're... It's basically, yeah, I like the idea of taking something negative that someone has said about you Mm -hmm. or called you and turning it into a positive i like that yeah so that's what happened with yankee doodle it started out as you know they're making fun of the troops and they took it and turned it around and used it hey that's going to be one of our main songs we sing right as the and as the yankees began to take the british and the revolution they also took the command of the song and they began singing it as a proud as a proud anthem to taught their english folks so it kind of became an anthem um so, we're going to talk about the American version of it. So, the original version, of course, wasn't what we know today. Right. right? Um, so, the original or the origins of the tune and the original lyrics, they're unknown, really. But most historians agree that the American version was written by an English doctor named Dr. Shackberg. And according to the Library of Congress, Shackberg wrote the American lyrics in 1755. Okay, so. We are going to Okay, so I have a little surprise for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. So the song Yankee Doodle. And we're gonna see how well you know oh, the no. song Yankee Doodle. <laughs> okay Now it's up to you. I can I'm going to say say or sing part <laughs> okay. of it and then you're gonna fill in the next line. <laughs> okay. okay. Do you wanna you, you wanna sing it or you wanna say it? <laughs> Maybe sing it, because it'll become <laughs> easier to me, I think. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, so I'm gonna have to sing on our podcast could be be embarrassing maybe the dogs will start howling that That can be awesome okay are you ready when i stop singing you fill in the next line okay (laughs) yankee doodle went to town riding on a pony good (laughs) stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni yankee doodle keep it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yankee doodle dandy mind the music and the step and with oh this sounds bad and with the girls be handy yeah. <laughs> is <laughs> Very that right good. yes i feel like i'm saying you something bad right. <laughs> okay so this next part we're going to read okay, okay so i got it all right <laughs> you got every part of it right Yay. yeah right okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, if you get any of this next part i'm gonna be totally shocked but, is this a second, verse? This is the second oh, verse then i can already tell you i don't second, know any verse got... same as the first okay, okay. i'm gonna guess right. Father and I went down to camp along with Captain Gooding, and there we saw the men and boys' tramp dance. (laughs) I don't know. You don't know? No. As thick as hasty pudding. Oh, as thick as hasty pudding. We should have kept singing. All right. So Yankee Doodle Keep It Up, Yankee Doodle Dandy, mind the music and the step. And with the girls be handy. Good job. Okay, last verse. And there was Captain Washington upon a slapping stallion, a giving orders to his men. I bet there were a thousand. Oh, you're surprisingly close you're kidding me. i guess there was a million. Oh wow so it, it, <laughs> you know actually you were pretty close in this yankee doodle keep it up yankee doodle dandy mind the music and the step and with the girls be handy good job right. joy <laughs> you did pretty good on that okay okay time for trivia Woo-hoo, Woo-hoo. my favorite part yes uh, i enjoyed doing this looking up these trivia questions they were i thought that was kind of the trivia part Oh, I just had to make you... I just wanted to see you... You want to see me squirm. Squirm a little bit, yeah. Okay, so, Joy, can you name at least three prominent members who were Sons of Liberty? Okay. John Adams. Yep. John Hancock. You know, honestly, I don't know that John Adams was. He was Sam he was Sam Adams' cousin. He was his okay. younger cousin. So I don't know that I don't have him listed. I'm not saying he wasn't. Okay. I don't know that he was. Alexander Hamilton? No. No, I don't know that he was. It's got to be one of the three I have on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Oh, man, you are. Did you not just read the book? <laughs> I did. John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Sam Adams. Sam Adams was one. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, you're oh, saying oldest. John Adams. Yeah. Are, you, are you meaning to say John Hancock? No, there was a John oh, Adams. was a, John Adams also. was Sam's cousin. But oh, okay. They, they yeah, I really said meet. John Hancock. Okay. Oh, you did say I John. I did say John oh, Hancock. I John oh, I thought you said John Adams. We'll oh, oh, have to listen to the recording. I just swore <laughs> I said John Hancock. Okay. 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 John yeah. Hancock. Yes. Um. Now I've forgotten who i <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam Adams. Sam Adams. And one more. Um, Paul Revere. Okay. Good. All Good right. job. Okay. So I had listed Sam Adams, John Hancock, Benjamin Eads, Patrick Henry, John Lamb, Joseph Warren, Paul Revere, and James Otis. Okay. Those were pretty much the core. The core group. group. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. True or false? Sam Adams was the son of a wealthy brewer. Oh, that's tricky because we know that there's a beer named after him. So, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Why not? True. True. And that's where, that's why Sam Adams is now named after... Okay, that's why the beers named uh, that's after him. why the beers named He's after from a him. Yes. Family. So his father actually the story goes that his father actually turned this they, they made malt you know, right. which goes in malt you know, the malt liquor, that goes in liquor yeah. and they said Sam um, he really wasn't interested in the company he was really <laughs> more interested in politics and, gab, right. and just walking around town gabbing to people. Okay. So they said he the business suffered under him. Okay. Okay. True or false? Benedict Arnold was a son of liberty. Ooh Benedict Arnold. Now it was Patrick Henry that said, "Give me liberty or give me death mm-hmm. Benedict Arnold, oh, he was a traitor. Mm-hmm. He sold um secrets to the British, and he was the one that got in the duel with Alexander Hamilton, I believe. but was he was he a son of liberty son of Liberty That's a great question. I don't think so. I think that's false. It's true. Ooh, yes. He was a big time trader. He actually started out on the right path. Okay, so in this book I read, and I think it's just called I Eliza. Maybe no, that's another biography. Why can I not remember the name of this book? I think it's just Hamilton, but about his wife. They go into the the whole story behind Benedict Arnold and Mm -hmm. the uh, the duel between him and Alexander Hamilton, and it's really interesting to to hear the story. I like this series turn because it it really goes into. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, and I watched a few episodes and it was good. Is it based on true events though? Yes, yes. It's it's mostly about the spiring that Washington had in place. I want to go. Is it on Netflix? I believe it is. So I want to go yeah. back and watch it. And mm-hmm. if it's based on true events, then yes, mm-hmm. I want to watch it. If they don't stray too far from the true events, I definitely want to see it. Yeah. So, but it was, the parts about Benedict Arnold were, were very interesting to me. Okay. Okay. Which son of liberty refused to ride a horse for much of his life? <laughs> was it Paul Revere? No. Because <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> yeah. That would be ironic, wouldn't it? Um, Another oh, guess or? Sure. I'm going to say. Hmm. i don't know go ahead it was sam adams okay he yeah uh, it was And there and we're going to talk about that again in a minute but uh true or false john hancock was 27 years old when he inherited his uncle's business and lost it shortly after due to gambling debts uh i have not heard this sure why not true that's false oh okay <laughs> so john hancock was one of the wealthiest and richest men in new england I knew that. Yeah, he was a very I knew he was super wealthy, but I thought yeah. you never know. He could have been a gambler. Uh, true. Okay, here's another one about John Hancock. True or false? He graduated from Harvard at the age of 17. Oh, see, I don't know a lot about John Hancock, although, mm. you know, he has one th- the biggest signature on the uh Yeah, and there's a reason he did that he wanted to show him. He said, "Let him see that signature." It was uh, kind, of, kind of in that kind of a showy way. kind of a showy. Yeah. Way. Kind of showy, yeah. Oh, do they teach that really good curse of handwriting at Harvard? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It's true. Okay, was, that is true. He graduated Harvard wow. at seventeen. Okay, so. well wait wait a second. That mm-hmm. means Harvard's been around since yes. the seventeen seventies. Yes. Harvard's probably one of the oldest colleges. I knew it was one of the, one the oldest colleges yeah. in the United States, but mm-hmm. I just assumed it was like the early eighteen hundreds. It goes back to the seventeen hundreds. Yes, That's yeah. amazing. A lot to me. of the a lot of oh. your um Presidents Presidents and people in the, the uh, war they A lot of them were from Harvard um, okay. okay, true or false You should get this one John Hancock was well liked by the British I would say no And that's why He did the flashy signature, right? Just to say, mm-hmm. hey, I know you don't like me But here I am This is a total guess I don't know a lot about John Hancock Okay, that is completely false okay. They hated him he was so hated by the British that at one point they offered amnesty to all the colonists to oppose the king except for John Hancock and wow. Sam Adams. They hated him and Sam Adams. So was he just super cocky, arrogant? No, they, they were stirring everyone up. And, and, right. and they actually said, they said, um, well, they said that Jan- John Hancock and Sam Adams Sam Adams, committed acts that were so unruly. Giveable. And they say if they could just capture just those two men alone, they could squash the whole rebellion. Right. So that okay. is how they, they just so looked they were obviously as the instigators. very effective if they hated them that much. Yes. Okay, now I'm curious to see if you're gonna know this one. Great. <laughs> Did the British cross by land or sea? Oh my goodness. <laughs> now I feel like an idiot. So was it one lantern by land, land and two by What's sea? That's my next question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So I'm trying to think it was I'm trying to think of the poem The Midnight Ride oh, of no, Paul It's been since I was little since I've read it. So I just remember I think it was one by land and two by sea. Mm. But I don't remember. <laughs> okay, they came by sea. Correct. Good. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. All right. Okay, so how many lanterns were in the North Tower or the North Church? I think sorry. it was two. It was. It was okay. two. Very yeah. good. Very, very okay. good. Okay. All right. What was the derogatory term used by the colonists for the British soldiers? um just red coats no they called them, som- uh, well, oh, call them something well they call them something else that wouldn't be derogatory i guess mm-hmm. um i should know this because it was in the book right yeah yeah it was in the book. <laughs> scallywags
1: <laughs> I, uh, I almost
0: used this as our rating word uh, but i didn't i don't remember lobster backs lobster backs okay those red coats you know all right okay now what last question i think yeah. No, next to last question. What did Paul Revere yell out as he rode through the village's warning of an impending attack? The British are coming. The British are coming. Meh. That's what? probably a trick question. Was that like something so, I saw in a so, Hollywood movie and well, thought it was true? most people would tell you if you asked nine out of ten people they uh-huh. would say the british are coming okay. but they said more than likely he did not say that okay because the colonists consider themselves british oh i never yeah. thought of that well i never did either yeah, <laughs> yeah. i never did either they said so it's that like the neighbors are coming exactly. and the Neighbors are coming. <laughs> they said that that would have been actually kind of odd for it to right. hear the british because they all kind of considered themselves british right they're i thought of that 18. they are british they're they, they came from more, england yeah they said more than likely he re- yelled the redcoats are coming that would make yeah. more sense yeah and um, Anyway, the, and the this was interesting to me, interesting to me. The idea of the colonies as a whole, you know as a country, they really didn't even they kind of viewed themselves independently of each other. Okay? Right. Like Connecticut and... Mm-hmm. Um, Delaware. Yeah, yeah. They just... They, they didn't even view... They kind of... They just viewed themselves as separate. It wasn't until well after the United States was formed and George Washington became the first president they viewed themselves as a... As, 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 as a whole. A united country. Right. Though. Yeah. Okay. Last one. True or false, Sam Adams had a large Newfoundland breed dog named Q who he taught to snarl and bark at the British soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Unless I'm imagining it. It seems like I've read that somewhere. I want to say that's true. That is absolutely true. Because I remember his name was Q. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what would you think about the trivia? That was... Very good. Very fun. It made yeah. me really question how much I learned about yeah. history and I, there's when really, I was in school. There's <laughs> really just not a lot out there about trivia about the Founding Fathers. I looked and they're really, mm-hmm. and so it's just to even find those was kind of difficult. Um, so one last thing before we start our closing remarks, just one interesting fact. You know, one of the main events, of course, of the revolution was the Boston Tea Party and of course right. that was in the book. But um, what a lot of people may not know is that they destroyed 92,000 pounds of tea and it was worth, in today's value, it had been worth a million dollars. That's That just blows my mind, and I never understood until this book does a good job of explaining it. It's like, you know, when they destroy property, well, obviously, that's going to make the England England government uh, super mad. Mm -hmm. But why didn't they just send the boat back? Well, didn't explain in the book that... um, what was the reason they couldn't just send the ship back and force it to go return? So to the return? king had ordered that he had ordered that they were not allowed to return to England without being unloaded. Okay, the king had the made king that had proclamation. But or whatever, the, okay. the people of Boston were not allowed to be unloaded. Right. And the person who owned it all right in the was middle. like right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like okay, so it can't be unloaded. It can't be yes. returned. Um, yeah. The owners was of the ship and the owner of the cargo were right in the middle. Right. And they could, I guess they, could, they, could, they just lost their fortune. Yeah. Right they're like, I if, would we, imagine if we send they it back to England, everything. we're in trouble with the king. If we unload it here, we're going to be mobbed. Right. You know, so, yeah. Okay. All right. So, I, one thing I kind of wanted to let the listeners know is that we have a website. And, you know, we're going to try to post the link to our website on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm saying that is because I have a lot of... Uh, Pieces I've collected over the years that have mm-hmm. to do with the Revolutionary War. Yeah, antique things, antique things. are pretty cool. I've got some uh, vintage postcards that are Revolutionary War. I have a Sam Ad- Adams beer advertisement, right. ten, which I love. I just mm-hmm. think it's really cool. I have a bunch of books. I have some old tins. Um, I also have a Pinterest board that's nothing but revolutionary right. images. That's really got some really cool stuff on it. You should put the link on our website. Yeah, I may do that. And then I also have some pictures of my trip that we talked about that I took in 2010, right. um, which I'd like to see those again. I don't yeah, really remember. Yeah, those they're, very well. they're not that great, but I do have a few mm-hmm. of the, the in Concord and Lexington. And also, uh, one thing I might the listeners might be interested to know is that the History Channel ran a mini, mini series entitled "Sons of Liberty." Mm-hmm. And I would really like to watch that. I, okay, I, I've I, never seen that. I saw it advertised, and then I I just never got to see it. And just real quickly, before we close, I would like to quickly recommend some other books that I have regarding the American Revolution. So the first book that I have, and I have actually have them sitting here beside me. You can look at them. No one else can see them. But uh, is Young Nathan Hell. Okay, it's the story of Nathan Hale. He was an American soldier for the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War. He volunteered for an intelligence gathering mission in New York City, but he was captured by the British and executed.
1: He's okay. long been considered
0: an American hero, and he was only 21 years old when he died, Aww. which is really sad. The author is Marion Marsh Brown, and the copyright date is 1949. The next book that I would recommend, and these are all books I've read, by the way, uh, is Philip Winwood. I cannot remember where I found this book, but the copyright date is 1900. It's very old it's been a long time since I read the book but I remember that I thoroughly enjoyed it and it's it's one of those books that feels like it's a true story but in the book I can't ever really tell if it's actually fact or fiction right. there's nothing that says it's such an old book and I've done some research and I can't find anywhere if Philip Winwood was an actual person but I do highly recommend this book if you like historical fiction. It's set in the United States and London during the Revolutionary War era. The author is Robert Nielsen Stevens and it shows how people interacted during the period on both sides of the issues and there's many historical figures that appear in the book. Okay, the next one, and I love this book. It's a kid's book. And can you see the picture? I love the, the, uh, I love the art in this book. The it's art so is um, absolutely amazing. It's called Paul Revere's Ride by, and its course it's the famous poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And it's illustrated by Ted Rand. And you know, it, the book is basically just the poem, but the the illustrations in it are un- incredible. Uh, they're beautiful. I remember are, looking at that; they are so they pretty. They are beautiful. And one of the things I read in here, it says paintings are by so and so, and I'm like, paintings? But yeah, they're they're absolutely amazing. Okay, so I recommend that. And I saved the best one for last. Okay. night. this is called "Why Don't You Get a Horse?" Sam Adams. <laughs> uh, it's by Jean fritz and it's illustrated by trina shart hyman and that's where i got a lot of my trivia was from her book this is a brilliant book that interweaves facts about sam adams and his part in the american revolution along with the humorous facts that he couldn't ride a horse <laughs> uh, the author wrote the book after she researched a letter which was written by john adams which was sam's younger cousin and future president of the united states um, as if you're an adult or a child I highly recommend you read this book and once again the illustrations are absolutely hilarious they're expertly done and it's a great great storyline and did you get those while you were in Concord yes, these, or uh, Lexington the, or wherever yes I'm glad you asked that because the why don't you get a horse Sam Adams and Paul Revere's ride were two of the books that I bought at the Minuteman Museum so they're they're some of my favorite books that I own and I just want to clarify because mm-hmm. I was looking this up while you were going through your awesome books there mm-hmm. so the book I read about Alex alexander hamilton's wife mm-hmm. was my dear hamilton okay it's a novel by eliza uh, a novel of elizabeth ah. eliza schuyler and it was written by stephanie Dre. Mm-hmm. there's another book about her called i eliza that i think was written by two different two uh, companion authors oh okay so okay. i just wanted to clarify that the one i read was my dear hamilton and i highly recommend that because obviously when you're reading about her who's the wife of alexander hamilton you're gonna find out all kinds of stuff about the Revolutionary War I learned oh. so much about the founding fathers the Sons of Liberty the Revolutionary War by reading her was it on biography. your uh, audiobook was it yes audiobook? I did it was an audiobook once again I know people frown at audiobooks, but I'm I'm very busy I'm just <laughs> and, asking because I want to oh yeah to it. it's okay. a uh, audiobook yeah okay. my dear Hamilton by Stephanie Dre it was oh my goodness it was eye-opening um, all the stuff I did not know about the Revolutionary War and the founding fathers very interesting. Oh, it's almost like how a behind did, the how scenes did I miss work. this okay. it is so good. okay I apologize for our dogs. They just won't shut up tonight. Okay, okay, and I'm sorry. I, th- I said that was my last book, but just real quick. I, after I had pulled all my books out going through my bookcases, mm-hmm. I found two I didn't more. realize you had so many. I, I didn't either until I started pulling them out. So I also have a book called The Battle, the Battle of Lexington and Concord, mm-hmm. and it's a children's book, and it's by Lewis K. Parker. It's really good. And you just need to put a link and, and put all these yes, on our website. Yes, yes. So so these, can... these are some of my cherished books. Okay, my last one. This is When Washington Crossed the Delaware. Mm-hmm. It's a wintertime story for young patriots. Uh, by Lynn Chaney, and it says Paintings by Peter M. Fiore. Once again, beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. artwork inside the illustrations. Are if I honestly, Joy, I was looking at this today, and if I could have these actual paintings of these illustrations, yes. I would have them hanging in my house. They're, yeah, they look they beautiful. They are absolutely just stunning. Be, of course, George Washington's my hero. Okay, right. so let's go ahead. I know this has been a longer broadcast than usual. Gosh, this is the longest one we've ever done. and That's I, okay. You can We could talk for weeks about months. Yeah, I just <laughs> I can't years. help it. I just love, I love this book and I love this uh, topic. So, do you have any last words that you would like to no, say? No, I just, I'm glad we did this podcast because I just think it's so important to to know about the uh, origin of our country and I think it's just so important for us to think about it every once in a while like I said earlier just not take this country for granted Mm because so much sacrifice and bloodshed uh, went into the making of our country Thank you. I couldn't have said that any better. Um, Just want to give a little tease for everyone listening. This fall, we're planning on doing The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and Mm -hmm. I'm super chuffed about that. Me too. And I'm sorry, I'm regressing to a previous podcast there, (laughs) but um, so looking forward to doing that. And I, this is sad to say, I have never read uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and I look forward to reading it. Oh, and it's a very quick read, so it, it won't take long, so. And yeah, Halloween's a perfect time to read it. All right, well, thanks for listening, and... And we hope you'll visit us next time on Twin Twin Talk. Talk.